0: Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves, a nice Friday episode, thanks for coming in and hanging out with us at the end of the week. Tim, I'm not feeling too hot, my friend. What's going on? We'll tell you know, you. I've been battling this little bug the family's got, ran through all the kids, every single one of them, even our littlest, and I finally thought we were out of the weeds then I'd get it yesterday. Like, Come on. I can hear, hear your assume- voice. My voice is a little deeper. I got congestion. My throat's a little tickly. I can't taste anything or smell anything. I think it's the flu. It's fine, but no, I'm just you know not not a hundred percent. But we're we're soldiering on because boy oh boy, what a what a week! What a couple days in this free agency. Unbelievable. Like it, I don't know. Break down when you when you showed me this. I knew it was a busy couple days in free agency. When I saw the final numbers, I was astonished. It was like a spending spree. Joe Biden showed up and started giving everyone money, and they were going nuts. So why don't you break down what happened this year and how, how insane it is?
1: Yeah, because we normally we we'd attack something like this and kind of talk about like, every major signing and how it affects their team and what the term is right and all this stuff, but there's just so many signings, trades, buyouts, movements, rumors. Just, we can't possibly cover it all. Um, And I want to kind of just place, you know, some context around how crazy this week was, especially those first 48 hours of free agency, uh, two hours, excuse me. So, and starting uh, right at noon on, what was it, Tuesday, Monday, um, to now, basically, comparing 2020 to 2021, the first two hours in 2020, last year's free agency, there were 22 contracts handed out. This year, there were 60, triple Contract years handed out last year, 41. This year, 136. The cap hit in the first two hours of last year's signing free agency, $40 million. This year, $140 million. And the total contract dollars last year was $94 million. This year was $405 million. All these numbers courtesy of capfriendly.com. I mean, it's just incredible. You can see, like the Twitter. I don't know. It, it feels like it gets a little better every year, but it really took off this year with um, like Frank Saravelli breaking all the news and telling everyone what they're going to get for Christmas. And it's it honestly might be the most exciting off season ever, at least that I, that I can remember.
0: Well, and and going into the off season, there wasn't. And this is myself, obviously. I, I didn't think there was that many high end players to be signed, like in years past. Like, a lot of them got gobbled up right before the free agency period began. Landis Scott went back to Colorado. Ovechkin went back to Washington. And that just ticked off two of the bigger names. The biggest name was Dougie Hamilton, really. And after that, it was just a lot of solid players who signed really good deals. And for the most part, I think everyone did pretty well. I think the GMs were smart with their money. I know they spent a lot, but they had a lot to spend. They were really tight with the money the last year. They didn't know how everything was going to shake out. And they they were all kind of angling for this offseason. And I, and I think a lot of teams made a lot of smart moves. There was a few teams that I, I just shake my head. And we'll get into that, where it's just like, how can you ruin such a good situation? And I feel bad that we're going to just bag on this team even more than we have in the past, because it seems like a common theme where the teams that, you expect to turn the corner teams that are like, okay, this is it. You know, it can't get any worse. And then it just gets worse. Like how, how can it, what's that saying? It's always darkest before the dawn or something. But in this instance, it's always darkest before pitch black because it seems to get worse and worse for these teams. And at the end of the free agency period, you just look at all the great things, all these other GMs have done. And then you look at these teams, which I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet, and you shake your head. It's like, how did you manage to make your team worse? Like, how is this possible? And you really didn't set yourself up for the future at all. If anything, you mortgaged your future for lackluster return. So anyways, I don't want to get into the losers, winners. We'll we'll, we'll focus on the positives first off. We'll focus on, there was a lot of teams that did a lot of good work. Let's focus on the biggest fish that was in the free agency pond. And that's Dougie Hamilton. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I would say going into free agency, a team that needs a defenseman, Dougie Hamilton checked every single box. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. He's a very low maintenance. He's a big body. He does everything you want him to do. And he just does it in such an easy-peasy way, you don't even realize he's on the ice half the time. Like, Dougie Hamilton is the most least interesting player in the NHL, and he's so effective. He reminds me of a Jay Bomeester. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Where he's just so vanilla. But then you look at the score sheet at the end of the game or his stats at the end of the season, and he's got 50-some points. He's plus 30. He's made the all-star game. And it's just like, my goodness, Dougie Hamilton is pretty good because just he gets, gets lost in the mix. He's not very exciting. He's not going to go coast to coast. He's not going to score highlight real goals. He makes a good first pass. He plays his man responsibly in the defensive zone. He doesn't get burnt that often. He's just a good, good player. And so he he could have picked his team. He could have chose anywhere he wanted to. Teams would have moved players around for Dougie Hamilton. And he decided to go, which was a little bit of a shocker. How surprised were you when he decided to go to the New Jersey Devils?
1: Uh, Well, I think they were probably the team that offered him the most money in term. I don't know how many teams could throw that kind of money at him. Even Carolina's offer was significantly less than that. So he obviously wanted that primarily. And it makes you wonder, like, okay, he's – he's still a younger guy is probably, I'm going to, I'm going to guess 26, 27. Um, So he's got a lot of career ahead of him, but I don't know. Does does this send a negative message that he's going for term over joining a a contender that's closer to winning a cup?
0: Well, I, I think you have to, at the end of the day, look after yourself if you're a hockey player, he's, he's going into free agency. This is his time to really make some money, make some dull, not that he hasn't made a lot of money in his career, but you don't, you only get, a few times when you're an unrestricted free agency and you're in your prime and this was his time and he listen i picked the new jersey devils to have a really really good year last year some would say i picked them to win the stanley cup or no it was two years ago they're not far removed from that they have a very good team they made some really good moves this offseason i know i dogged on the jonathan bernier pick a little bit he he played well last year they gave him a lot of money, $4.1 million for Jonathan Bernier. We'll touch on that in a second. But he walks into a situation, the New Jersey Devils, they pick up Ryan Graves, they get Dougie Hamilton. They still have P.K. Subban, who now can transition into the maybe second-line defenseman role, not so much pressure on his shoulders where maybe he can flourish because he's struggled in New Jersey a lot of the times. They have Damon Severson, who's a really, really good defenseman. And they have Ty Smith, who's a really good young defenseman also. So they have some good defensemen. And then you look at their forwards. They're young. They're fast. They're exciting. They're just inexperienced. They had a lot of young draft picks. They got Hughes. They got Hirschheiser. They got Andreas Johansson or Janssen, excuse me. They need a few more pieces. But if I'm Dougie Hamilton, I go, okay, we're getting PK Subban off the books next year. He's gone. He makes $9 million. That opens up some space. We can add some skill. We got Nico Herscher. Her... Hershier, 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 whatever. We got him. He's a good young captain. We could build around him. I don't mind where this team is. Mackenzie Blackwood is a good goaltender. He's proven in the league. He's still relatively young. He's only 24 years old. And away we go. And yeah, they're throwing $9 million at me. So that doesn't hurt, also. So I, I like the signing for Dougie Hamilton. I like the signing for the New Jersey doubles. It kind of works all the way around. If, if, it's a huge win for the Devils because they're they're kind of the afterthought of teams in that area. It's like, okay, the Islanders are playing well. The Rangers are always exciting. Then the Devils. It's like, no, we got the most exciting free agent to come to our team. He's going to be our rock on the back end. We got a stud forward in Nico Hershire. We got a good goaltender. Like, this is how you build a winning team. And I wouldn't be surprised in two, three years. Hughes is going to come around. The Devils will be a pretty good team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup anytime soon, but... You know, it's a start. It's a start, and you can see it was a a good play by them. I know. Prove me wrong, Tim.
1: I can't. I mean, there's so many – everything kind of banks on, like, future performance and potential. And and obviously, Dougie likes what he sees, and it's an up-and-coming team. I don't think, like you said, they're anywhere close to being a contender. But it also bodes well, like you said, if they can get PK's contract off the books. And I think guys around the league are probably looking. They know how good Dougie Hamilton is. If he wants to go to the Devils, I wonder if they – if he brings in a couple other free agents, we say, Hey, you know what, whatever he saw, I want, I want some of that too. And, um,
0: exactly. And and they made a great trade by getting Ryan Graves from Colorado. He's a big body. He's a big 6'5, 220. You know, that division seems to be getting heavier and heavier year by year. So it, he's going to have to play the hard minutes and it's, it's a great signing. You know, he, he signed for a good term for the next few years. He's young. He's somewhat mobile. So I don't know. I like it. The Jonathan Bernier contract. It's a little much for me. Four point one for Jonathan Bernie. I know he played well last year. Played well for a Detroit team that was, you know, at times they struggled, but they they tried, you know, they they really went out there and you know they had some effort. But you know, that's all you can expect. They they were not an NHL team. They were at times an AHL team, but gosh, they played like one. They they tried their hard, hardest, and Jonathan Bernier played well. But anyways, moving on to the next team that I think is a winner, the Bruins. There was a lot of unknowns going into this free agency period with Boston. What are they going to do with Taylor Hall? What are we going to do with David Krejci? How are we going to fill our net? We have no goaltenders. How are we going to get some secondary scoring? What is going to happen? Now, you're the Bruins insider. You talk to people in Boston. Can you just break down? I think they did as well as any other team in the free agency period. They They did really good, the Bruins.
1: And it was really interesting because they didn't do anything like for the first couple of hours, like all the big names were off the board. And and then you had like, okay, are they going to trade for Tarasenko? Like, is that really the direction we want to go? And Sweeney just quietly made a few moves that I think are really, really good. So the big one is Allmark. That's a big question mark. Uh, Well, I wouldn't say question mark, but it's the kind of the biggest talking point right now Um, He's obviously Buffalo's former goalie played pretty well. There reminds me a little Reese recent line in situation with kind of like yeah, his stats are pretty good, but, like, he always lets them down or he can't, like, collect the wins. And then he kind of realize, well, not only is he playing for a bad team, which is going to impact the stats, but also, like, the mental and psychological impact of playing for a franchise like that and losing so many games. You're just not going to play your best. So, hopefully, Allmark in a winning situation can play well. What's really interesting, though, is that Sweeney has said that, obviously, Rask is hurt. He's going to be um, – he has surgery. I think he had surgery last week. It's going to be out until at least January, February, and they've opened the door for him to return. But they did not commit $20 million to Allmark to be a backup goalie. And Allmark is not planning on losing that starting role. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, what happens down the stretch if, if Rash does come back, if he's healthy, if he wants to be a Bruin again, be part of another playoff run. Where, where's Almarc? I mean, how is he going to play leading up to that? And he's going to split. He's going to be the primary starter. He's going to split a little bit. I assume with uh, Swayman, who's another up, young up young and coming kid. Um, there's so many interesting things there with Almarc, and I like him. He's a good goalie. Um, I don't know. I, I hope it works out. It just it'll be so fast yeah. to see like no. who's who's starting. Who's their starting goalie in the playoffs next year? That's the big question.
0: Well, here's, here's the thing. Not a lot of people saw Olmark the last few years because he was on an atrocious Buffalo team and you, they don't get the TV time, but he's a very good goaltender. You know, he won them a lot of games when they had no right in winning and he kept them in a lot of games when they had no right in, you know, being in. His wins above replacement was well above average. He, he, he was almost a 500 goaltender in Buffalo, which is really hard to do when your team is clipping along at like a 400, 350 winning percentage. So he's a, he's a number one. He's a a bona fide number one. He's coming into Boston. What's going to happen is it's going to be a Vegas situation. They're going to have Olmark. They're going to have Rask. They're going to have Swayman. He'll go back to the the Providence Bruins. He's a good up-and-coming goaltender, like you said. It's not a bad problem to have. The only issue is, is Rask a UFA? He is. Yes. They're going to have to get him to sign for a team-friendly deal or let him walk. The only thing Rask has to deal with is he's hurt. No team is going to sign him. They're not going to give him a long-term. They're not going to give him a lot of money. So would you rather... Go to a situation, excuse me, and fight for a position in another city or resign with Boston where they know you. They're going to give you time to rehab. They're going to maybe give you a little more leeway if you have a few bad games because they trust you. If I'm Rask, I take my time to rehab. I make sure I'm 100%. I come back. I sign with Boston for a million bucks, 750, and away we go. Whatever goalie's better gets to play. That's how it was with Vegas. We saw it in the playoffs. So many teams went back and forth with their goaltenders. GMs and coaches are not married to one goaltender anymore. It's a completely different system than when Rask came into the league where it's like, we got a number one. This is who we're going to ride. So if the Bruins make the playoffs next year and Rask is on their team, I would, it would be hard for me to say Rask is not starting goaltender game one. If he's healthy and he's had some games in the regular season, so you know you you. But Allmark's, it's it's a very good signing for the Bruins. They're getting him for five million bucks for four years. I think the Bruins fans will be very happy to have him. They he's, they've seen him for the last four or five years when he's been in Buffalo, so they know what he can do. They wouldn't sign him if they didn't like him. So it's it's a good signing, especially when you see Bernier signs for four point one, and you can get Allmark, who's almost a decade younger, and he's got better numbers. It, it's it's a very good signing for the Bruins.
1: Yeah, a couple other big signings, not big signings, but they just quietly added like a few depth pieces. Uh, Nick Polino, excited about that one. It'd be interesting to see where he fits in that lineup. Right now, he's probably on the third line, but he can play both center and wing. Same with Eric Holla, a great young, uh, speedy guy who's who can very versatile. He can play up and down the lineup. He can play any position on the forward side of things. And then Nosik, um, also from from Vegas, he's a good fourth liner. Another another guy, Derek Forbert, 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 um, he's a big boy he's like six, five to 25 or something. Like he's, he's big and strong. And um, I think he was third in the league in block shots last year, something like that. So like, he's exactly what they needed on that back end, that bottom pairing defenseman, that big body, because they're losing Kevin Miller. And this, like you said, this division is getting tougher. Ryan Reeves is coming into town too. Like we talked about, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I just hope that they're not done addressing the defense I think they, they still need a legit top-pairing left-side defenseman. I like Grizzly at the second pairing with Carlo. Like I said, I think McAvoy needs that partner. I would have loved for Suter to come to town. Obviously, Suter's in Dallas. Um, so they address the depth. They got better. They're definitely a better team than last year. The big question is they David Krejci. They have $1.7 million in cap left. Krejci's still unsigned. Um, Sweeney was kind of kind of uh, mysterious in his response and said, Krejci has his own reasons in his own timeline, uh, I'm not going to speak to him. He can, if he wants to basically. So if Krejci is coming back, there's another move coming. Um, and I would say, even if Krejci's is not coming back, there's another move coming. They have a lot of depth forwards. Now they have a lot of second, third line guys, um, but they need help on defense. They just do. And I think DeBrusque is the name that's being thrown around. He's likely to be traded. I can see him being flipped for a defenseman and maybe need to sweeten the deal a little bit, but I think GMs, love a Jake DeBruyne. Like he's the exact kind of like low risk, high reward player that like we've talked about, like the Max Domi type, the Galchenyuk, like in the right situation, can he, can he be who he was when he was a younger player in the league? So um, I expect the Bruins are not done. I think they have a little bit more to do, but I like all the moves they made so far.
0: Has there been any up, <clears throat> update on Brandon Carlo? How is he, how is he doing? Is he going to be 100%, 100% starting camp?
1: Hey, that's the expectation. Yeah. But I mean, concussions are a tricky thing.
0: They're very trickly, they can rear their ugly head. All it takes is it's a, a subtle bump and he's right back into it. But I don't mind the Bruins defense. I really don't. It would be nice to add a veteran. If you can throw out McAvoy and Carlo, then you got Grizzlick and they, re- they re-signed Mike Riley for three million for three years. So yeah. you know, he proved himself to be a really just a decent, you know, three, four, five guy, reliable, not exciting, prone to a mistake now and then. But you know, he's he's a gosh, if you're getting three million bucks for Mike Riley. Like, that's he's doing okay for his style of play. But I agree. If they can get someone for DeBrus, brus has got one year left on his contract, so he's a low risk for a team to take his contract on. He makes 3.675. If they can flip him for d D-man, I don't think they can. I don't know if there's any really D-men on the market who would fit the Bruins. I think they need another puck mover, a guy who can help out McAvoy in the power play, who can really you know drive the offense. But... I don't know you can hope they need to get rid of Debrusque. The they need to resign Krejci is gonna have to take a massive pay cut in order to go back to the Bruins. It's a hit to the ego. If you're used to making six, seven, eight million dollars for the last five, six years, it's it's a hard pill to swallow when you just look at that contract and it's like, gosh, it's two years for $2 million. That's got to be tough. It really, really does. And I know he's made a ton of money. I know he's wanted in Boston, but I wonder, do you get a sense if he's getting any interest from other teams or is it just, he's taking some time to reevaluate his situation in hockey?
1: I'm pretty sure he said that he doesn't want to play anywhere but Boston. The big question mark is whether he goes back to play in the Czech Republic. So he he's, he's said that he wants to end his career there. It's just a matter of whether that happens this year or next year, basically. Um, and I, I think he is going to come back, but I don't see him going to another team. It's just, like I said, it's, it, does he go back to the Czech Republic and play a year or two in their league before he retires, or does he come back for one more season? And I think he does, especially because you know that, like Taylor Hall's there, he had great chemistry together. And, that, and same with Craig Smith. Um, and he's such a responsible two way forward, the, the pair in the top six. So it's there for him. The Bruins are clearly. In it to win it. And um, I could see Krejci just going one year. I think it'll make a little more, maybe like in a three to four range. I think they'll, and they'll, they can afford it if they trade DeBrusk. But yeah, I see him coming back.
0: Well, I wonder if there's a team in the NHL who just takes on contracts for no reason. Is there a team that does that just for fun? Uh, Out in the desert? I think they're in the desert. They should call Arizona. They take them in a heartbeat. Jake DeBrusk will give you Jake for nothing. Done. Here's our contract. Give that money to David Krejci. Everything's solved. Everything's happy. But the, The hard part is Jake DeBrusque. He shows these flashes of greatness and it's like, boy, oh boy, this guy can move. He's a really good player when he wants to be. Why can't he do this for 82 games? Why can't he do it for 60 minutes? I don't understand. I think coaches have been trying to get that out of him for years. Now it's, it's time to move on. And Jake DeBrusque, they have a good team. When you look at their roster, they're so balanced. I, I really think they've done a great job. They got, for the top line, the perfection line, Marshawn, Pasternak, Bergeron. Then you have Taylor Hall, Charlie Coyle, Nick Foligno, Craig Smith, Eric Halla, Thomas Nozick. And then you got the fourth line of Wagner, Frederick, and Lazar. Like, those are good players. Bruins are going to be a very dangerous team next year, but it always comes down to goaltending and defense. We'll see if they can figure that out. Add another defenseman, but Don Sweeney, bravo. I get... I was all over him the last few years, but he's really turned the corner. He, he is, he's earning his money, Tim, in the Beantown. Only, I think the fans should be happy.
1: The only thing that makes me nervous is that they, they lost a lot of toughness. Tenorti's gone. He's a big body. Lazan, not the biggest fighter, but he's, he'll drop the mix if had to and he's another big frame there. And then Nick Ritchie was kind of like their go-to fighter. And obviously Kevin Miller's gone too. So, I don't know. Are they going to be pushed around a little bit? I think hopefully Trent Frederick's main stay in their top 12 in their fourth line. Felino will drop the glove, but he's not scaring anybody.
0: Felino, uh, Trent Frederick's not scaring anybody. He's 6'2, 200 pounds. No one's scared. They got Forbert, who's a big body.
1: Yeah. But I just mean, like, I don't know. I'm worried about them getting pushed around a little bit.
0: I agree, but they have that mentality. I think it starts with Marchant. He's he just drives that team. He he's not going to let them get pushed around. And if if they are getting pushed around, they'll go out and they'll get somebody. I have confidence in Don Sweeney. The Bruins will never ever get pushed around. They just that's that's the Bruins mentality, where the big bad Bruins. It's been this way for 30, 40 years.
1: They've been they, they, pushed they, around though, and I don't even necessarily mean with fighting, but like they were outsized and out physically played in the playoffs the last couple of years by the Islanders, especially. So that's I think so. true. I, I don't know. Oh. Hopefully they addressed it. They have a lot of time
0: to do it. They got some time, not a lot of money. So anyways, I like what the Bruins did. I think they win. I think they're big winners. Moving on, I th- let's let's go to a player who's a big winner. You know, we do teams. Teams are fun. They make a lot of moves. Zach Hyman, this guy, must have. he's got a charmed life. So he comes into the NHL. You know, he, he's a hardworking, lunch pail-type guy, decent skill set gets paired up with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, just hits the jackpot. These guys are coming into the league. They're just exciting. They're electric. Any any kind of verb you want to use for them, and he gets gets to just tag along with them. Okay, time is up in Toronto. Where are we going to go next? Oh, you know what? I'm going to go play with the best player on the planet, Connor McDavid, and make a ton of money, $5.5 million a year for seven years, and I get to play with Connor Stinkin' McDavid. This guy... I don't know what he did. He's got the best. I don't know. Why does Zach Hyman get to ride shotgun to these great players? What does he do that another guy like him doesn't do? I don't understand. There's plenty. Maybe there isn't plenty of guys like him, but I think you could find a guy who would go in and blow up a defenseman and give a puck to a guy in front of the net or pass it back to the defenseman who would be happy to play with McDavid and Matthews. But for whatever reason, the league is sweet on Zach Hyman. And the Edmonton Oilers opened up the piggy bank, and they gave him a huge seven-year deal, almost $40 million, to play on the wing with Connor McDavid. So good for Zach Hyman. It was, it was expected. The, the interesting fact here was Toronto would not trade him to Edmonton for that eighth year because they knew that was going to help out Edmonton and their salary cap and their numbers, and they wouldn't help out Edmonton. I like that. I think that's nice. You know, they they knew they were going to sign there or Hyman knew he was going to sign there. Dubas knew Hyman was leaving and they were trying to work it out so he could get that eighth year and kind of help Edmonton and Edmonton was going to throw him like a fifth rounder. And Dubas was like, no, beat it. You eat that cap for seven years. You eat this terrible salary that I'm not going to give Zach Hyman. You guys are dumb. And he did it. And I like that move for his uh, Kyle Dubas. It's it's very shrewd, but it's very nice. He said, Ken Holland, you know, kick rocks, bud. You know, ha- have fun with this contract in two years. Whenever you sign a player like Zach Hyman to a long-term deal, never age as well. Ever. You name me one power forward who has signed a term for over five years, and you tell me at the end of that term if it looks good. I can't tell make- me.
1: They're all is, is-, is, he- is Clarkson? Power- huh? Is he a power forward?
0: Zach Hyman. Yeah, he's the, he's the power forward of the league now. He goes in, he bashes the defenseman, he goes in the corner, he's in front of the net. He is the new power forward. That This is the prototype of a power forward. He's six foot 210, probably. He's physical. You don't have to be big anymore to be a power forward when six, all the skill to 11. Yeah, he's not a big guy. Gone are the days when you have the Eric Lindrosh and the Mikael Renbergs. Lindrosh? Lindrosh. So the Legion of Doom, are you, are you too young for that line? Or what the maybe Legion I mean. of Doom do you remember that line I remember the name yeah I- really you don't remember that line John LeClair, Mikel Renberg and John or uh, Eric Lindros it was an epic line they would just punch in the face they toe drag it was probably maybe the top top 10 line of all time in the NHL maybe even top five they were unstoppable they were all six foot two, six foot three. They could fly. They had unbelievable hands. I played a couple games with John LeClaire. The guy is it like he's a beast. He he's so big. His hands are so good. And boy, can he just tell a story and throw a couple back. I tell you what, if this was a different kind of podcast, we could have a conversation right now. But, anyways, good for Zach Hyman. Cha-ching cha-ching. Bad for the Oilers. We'll touch on them in a little bit. Moving on to the teams. Another team I thought it did pretty well were the LA Kings. They've quietly quietly added pieces to their team. They picked up uh Deneau from Montreal. They traded for Arvidsson. They signed an Edler deal who was making $5 million or some year before. They get him to a good deal this year. And they have the best farm team in the league, which they're going to use to trade for Jack Eichel. I said it months ago. Everyone's sleeping on L.A. Oh, he's going to the Rangers. Oh, wait, he's going to Minnesota. Oh, wait, he's going to Anaheim. Oh, wait, he's going here. The Kings are going to get Jack Eichel, Okay. I'm calling it. I'm sticking with my guns. I think he's a perfect bit in LA. They have the prospects pool. They have the guys there who can still win. They still have Kopitar. They still have Brown. They still have Quick. They still have Dowdy. They have good players who are veterans. Imagine adding Eichel into that mix. They have so many good prospects they can throw at Buffalo. You know, throw them um, Turcotte. Turcott in the first rounder and maybe another uh, good prospect like this, Arthur Kaliev, who's a good winger, who lit it up last year in the OHL. I think those are... That's a good package for Jack Eichel. You
1: don't think that the, the no signing like means they're not gonna go for another center though? I mean, Kopitar- no. Not at all.
0: No, you can throw to no on the third line. Kopitar has got what two years left potentially. I just think the Kings they've made a very, very they were they were written off three years ago, where it was just like we gotta unload quick. We gotta get out from Dowdy's contract. Kopitar's got a terrible contract, we gotta change things up. They've slowly but surely been amassing players they've developed them the right way they don't rush them along and now you look at them it's like okay we still have you know if if we make some moves we got some cap space but i i I like what they've done you know and i don't know call me crazy if if you can add a philip denot who was a 1a centerman in montreal i know we bagged on him because he did not score any goals he plays the game the right way he signed him for 5.5 which is You know, teetering on a little bit much. You add Arvidsson. You got Alex Afalo. You got Andres. Andanasio. You have a good team. You know what I mean? So I like what they've done there. If they could somehow pry Jack Eichel away from the Buffalo Sabres, that would be fun. Throw him in LA. I still think it's a definite possibility. They'd have to make some moves to clear up some cap space because they're right up against it. You know, throw Dustin Brown at Buffalo maybe. Make a couple other tertiary moves. But I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this LA Kings thing, but in a Pacific division where no one's really standing out, Vegas had a terrible offseason. LA Kings did pretty good. I don't know. Does it surprise you, me, me saying the LA Kings had a good uh, free agency period?
1: No, I just I just don't see how they can bring Eichel in. They have less than $2 million in cap space, and they have between Kopitar Doughty, that's over $21 million. Jonathan Quick is another $6 million. It's just a lot of money. I don't don't see how they
0: can fit it. It's a lot of money. You make things work. You send them some players. You, you, You maybe buy out a play. I don't know how it works, how they're going to make it work. I know they have the prospects. I know they have the draft picks. I know they can make something work. I just think Jack Eichel works in L.A. I don't know. I just want to see it happen. Anyways, another winner. The newest team on the block, speaking of the Pacific Division, the Seattle Kraken. So in the expansion draft, they went heavy on defensemen. They went heavy on just solid two-way forwards, defensive forwards, who were very responsible. They went really, really light on scoring, like super-duper-duper duper light. They went super light on goaltending as well. So light that they got Vita Vanecek and they just shipped him back to Washington. So the guy didn't even leave his couch, and he got traded, and he got traded back to Washington. So in the offseason, they go out, and they get what, – what? what do you think of Philip Grubauer?
1: I think he's a great goalie. I really do. do. You- Yes. And I oh God, I do. And I was a little surprised that Colorado just couldn't match the deal, couldn't make the numbers work. Um, I think they got a great goalie for the Kraken now.
0: You don't think it's a product of the system a little bit. They have a great defensive system. They have so many res- responsible forwards in Colorado. Just a little bit. Just yeah, a, a little bit, bit.
1: But I, I think he led the NHL in shutouts last year. Like, that's not a...
0: Oh, he's a good goalie. He was a Vezina finalist. I just don't know. When you look at the individual stats, the wins, wins above replacement, all this kind of, you know, where he's letting in goals from, he doesn't stand out like a top five, top 10 goaltender. He got paid. He definitely got paid. You know, Colorado, they, they offered him a contract. He said, no, I'm going to go elsewhere. Seattle gobbled him up. I like this move for Seattle. You know, it puts a stamp on their team. We're going out. We're trying to win. They got some scoring in Jaden Schwartz, who consistently puts up pretty good points in the NHL. They get... um Who's that other guy? Wenberg, they got whatever his name is. So they they addressed some needs. They needed scoring, they needed goaltender help, and they they addressed both of those needs. Seattle is going to be competitive next year. I I like what they did. Uh, You know, I don't think they're going to scare anybody like Vegas did. I don't think they have the type of talent that Vegas came away with when they they finish up their expansion draft. But I like Seattle. I think they'll be a competitive team. I think they'll turn some heads. They'll beat, you know, a lot of teams in that Pacific division. So potentially I could see Seattle making the playoffs next year. When you look at the other teams and how they've structured their rosters and how they're kind of rebuilding or, you know, maybe trending downwards, especially the teams in California, stranger things have happened, especially when you look at a team that we're going to talk about in a second who just had an atrocious offseason, an absolutely atrocious offseason to the point where it's like, why are we even trying with you anymore? You used to be a dynasty team. What are we doing? We brought in this GM who won multiple Stanley Cups with another organization with the expectations that you were going to repeat this and you are tanking us. You were driving us into the abyss. But we'll get, we'll touch on that in a second. Um, another team that won by making a few little moves, the Montreal Canadiens. I enjoyed what they did. They, you know, the devastating news losing Shea Weber, replaced him with Savard from Tampa Bay coming up a fresh Stanley Cup. You know, a pretty good pickup. Savard's not a flashy player. He'll punch in the face. He'll block a shot. He'll hit you. It's a a very smart move. They get a very dynamic score in Mike Hoffman, kind of enigmatic, had some off-ice issues. You never know what you're getting with a Mike Hoffman. But the one thing he does do, you can set set your watch by it. He's going to put 30 goals on the board regardless. Regardless. He's an absolute sniper on the power play. I don't care what you say about him. You can lock them in for thirty goals, and that's and they're both from Quebec. Wee oui, wee, oui. Je m'appelle Michel Hoffman, very good. But like you like you mentioned here in our notes, Tim, what's it going to be like losing some big big voices in the locker room? Are they going to be able to overcome this? They lose Weber, they lose Perry. How much is that going to hurt their room? Even to
1: know too, I mean, it's such a young team. With obviously their their best players are like. 20 and 21 years old, Caulfield, Suzuki, Tywin Traffoli is a veteran now, and we'll see if he kind of steps into a leadership role. And certainly Sabara can bring some of that too. But, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, how much of an impact of that dressing room is, is Weber and Perry being gone going to to affect this team?
0: It won't affect them at all. I don't think Weber's that much of a voice, and I think Perry's just more of an on-ice guy. I think Gallagher runs that room. I think he keeps them in check. I like Montreal. I think they're a good team. They're going to build off last year they're trending you know upwards which is good that that canadian division i don't know where we'll see how the division shake out i like Montreal they did some good work it, it was a very good offseason for them they didn't overreach they didn't you know blow out the the spending just because they had success last year what did you think of them drafting that guy who didn't want to be drafted 31st you want to touch on that it's uh, such a weird situation
1: it's such a big conversation that i don't think we should even try to squeeze it in but
0: here's what i don't like here's what i don't like and people might hate me for this. So they draft this kid. They've obviously done their vetting. He did something stupid when he was in Sweden. He had relations with someone, took a picture, showed his teammates, terrible stuff, awful stuff. He got in trouble for it. Very, very bad stuff. He asked not to be drafted. He asked every team in the NHL, please don't draft me. I want to mature. I want to put this behind me. I want to move on. I'm going to play for the London Knights this year. I'll start fresh next year. And Munchell still picked him. 100% 100% sure Molson knew about this draft pick before they picked him. You don't just pick a kid who has this much baggage without telling your owner. Bergerman and him had conversations. They still picked him with the last pick of the draft in the um, first round or 31st pick, whatever. Molson, because of the backlash, flips the script and goes, You know what? We made a mistake. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We made a mistake to our fans. I really regret it. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to let him come to camp. You are such a coward. Molson it drives me crazy if you're if you have the but to draft this kid stick by your guns you know what I mean and I I don't I'm not defending the pick I'm not defending the kid at all you made your bed don't all of a sudden kowtow to like a couple people on Twitter whoever was like we don't like this don't draft him if you draft him live by your decision I, I that's what I don't like because this I don't want to call him a poor kid but this kid said don't draft me and all of a sudden, you draft them, and it's like, oh, sorry, buddy, you can't come to camp. We're going to scuttle your career. Have fun in London. It, it just, I don't like that part. I don't even like them picking him. They should have never even picked him in the first place. So it, it's just a junky situation all around. And Stinking Molson just tucks his tail between his legs, and he looks like a wiener now. It's like, you coward. If you make a decision and you want to, you know, draft this kid with all his baggage, you stand by it. You say, you know what? He screwed up. We're going to work with them. We're going to try to make them better. We're going to learn from it. All the the PC things people say, will blah blah blah, and you move on. You don't say all of a sudden, you know what? Oopsie, my bad. My finger slipped. We meant to draft somebody else. You know what? He's not coming to camp. We're gonna this. Did, this didn't happen. Let's move on. You you coward. I didn't like that. That stuff really really grinds my gears. This guy, is a joke. I didn't like that at all. Anyways, do you want to say anything on it, Tim?
1: I mean, I think everything you said is is spot on and just like that's what it comes down to for me is he asked not to be drafted, which is the right thing to do, given everything that was going on. And who knows what what he could have done for himself to to grow and mature and whatever. And um, I think the Canadians just handled this completely wrong. So I, I agree. Yeah. With
0: what said. The kid made a terrible mistake, an absolute awful mistake. And he's trying to, like, recover from it, saying, don't draft me. They draft him anyways. And then they say, oh, well, never mind. Oops, didn't realize we we're going to get this much backlash. Sorry, everybody. Even the stupid prime minister of the Can- like Canada comments. Like, shut your mouth, Justin did Trudeau. You see Bettman's comments? No, what did he say?
1: Last night, he said he was just, I, I forget exactly. I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, shock doesn't begin to describe it. And as a father of two girls, I, I don't understand this pick, is basically what he said.
0: Yeah, it's just like, uh, A, Justin Trudeau, I'm not going to get into it. Let's move on. I'm. It's going to go so fast. All right, <laughs> back to a more positive. People are going to be surprised by me saying this. I think Colorado had a big win this uh, free agency period. Yeah. Are you? I don't know. Do you think they had a win or a loss?
1: I I think they had a win. I mean, McCarr was automatic. We he signed obviously like the week before, but um, that was a big question. It was good to get him locked into a really team friendly deal because he could have gotten a lot more. I think
0: exactly.
1: And then Landeskog was like this ongoing kind of like Willie won't they. Type of thing, and um, obviously he's back, and again a great deal for both sides. So the great thing for them, and without losing any major pieces, and obviously Grubauer is gone, but they brought in somebody else to, to help, you know, stop and stop the bucks.
0: And people are a little upset about this trade because you, you you give up your first rounder for a Darcy Kemper, but when you look at the numbers, when you look at their history, Darcy Kemper's is a better goaltender. Like he's a much better goaltender than Philip Grubauer, and you sign him for three point five million bucks, you get a good, you know, team friendly deal with him. And then, like you said, Kale McCart for nine million dollars. When you when you're looking at defensemen, this Seth Jones deal is looking worse and worse and worse for Seth the Chicago Jones, Matt
1: Last night, signed for nine point five three in like yeah. seven years or
0: something. Dougie Hamilton signed for nine million dollars. When you're ranking all of them, when you're ranking defensemen, Jones is worse, far worse, not far worse, but he's. He's at the bottom of the list when you're ranking Wierenski, Dougie Hamilton, Kale McCar. I'm taking all three of those guys over Seth Jones in a heartbeat, and he makes more money than all of them. It's just We'll touch on the Chicago Blackhawks in a second. But going into the offseason, the Avalanche had a couple, couple to-do lists. Landeskog, McCarr, Grubauer. Check, check, check. That was their three big things. They already have a great team. They got Ranson in. They got McKinnon. They got Burakovsky. They got Kadri. They got Nishushkin. They got all these great players. They got like great defensemen we need to keep the boys together so they go out, they surprise everybody signing Landeskog at the last minute. That was a very shocking signing, and he even signed for a team-friendly deal. $7 million for a Gabe Landeskog I think is great. He kind of does everything. He encompasses everything you want out of a captain. He'll fight for his team. He's a solid centerman. He's a stand-up guy. He doesn't take guff. He puts points on the board. He can drive your offense. He just does everything. They go out, they sign Kale McCarr, like we talked about, to a really, really good free cap team-friendly deal. And they lose Grubauer because they're not going to overspend. Grubauer signed for 5.5. They weren't going to give him that much money. They couldn't give him that much money. What do we do? We go out, we make a trade, give up our first rounder next year, which is going to be at the back end of the draft. It's going to be in the late 20s, hopefully 32nd. And you get a very better goaltender than what you started with. So I think Joe Sackett nailed this. Absolutely nailed it. So they, you know they they could use another defenseman. They still have Eric Johnson. You know, they, he, I don't know. He, I'm surprised he's still in the league, honestly, but he, you know, he's a good hard body to play with. They got McCarr. They got Samuel Gerard. They lost Ryan Graves, who I'm guessing they would have loved to keep, but they were going to lose him in the expansion draft. So I like Colorado. They're still going to be a juggernaut. They still have a little bit of cap space, but you know, they're, they're a good team. They bring Darren Hellman who I didn't even know was in the league anymore. So he can fly up and down the ice. So good for Colorado. I think that's a, that's not a huge win for them, but it sets them up for success for another five years signing those guys.
1: You know, what's even crazy too, is that Colorado still is such a young team. They're in, they're one of the top five youngest teams in the NHL. And to be that young and to have this much of a wagon of a team and a roster, like that's a scary thing for the rest of the league. Like this is, this is going to be the team for the next decade.
0: Yeah. They they've set themselves up really, really well. It, it all starts with the Nathan McKinnon contract. It, it's, it's crazy that your best player makes 6.3. Like it's unbelievable. Not three
1: player in the league. Exactly. Half of Matthews.
0: It's unbelievable that that's his contract. And at the time, you know, he was happy because he was an unknown player at that time you know he, he was putting up decent points but not lighting the world on fire like he is right now so gosh what what a contract so good for joe sack good for the avalanche i hope they win one in the next few years they deserve it they've done everything right they really have they haven't mortgaged their future they haven't extended themselves they brought in really good pieces this is it this year is their year they have a lot of guys coming up to be ufas after this season and this is this is it if they don't win it this year they're going to have to retool and you know work some magic again, but you know they lost Brandon Saad. How much did he help them? How much did he hurt them? They still have a lot of high end forwards, so good on Colorado. The last winner, and you put them in here, so I'll let you, I'll let you discuss them because I, I'm on the fence with this team.
1: Yeah, so well, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of question marks. The Blackhawks. Um, Seth Jones, we we kind of bash him because we think he's overpaid. He's not as good as some of the other guys. He's still an elite NHL defenseman. He's still going to make their team better. He makes their defense better. He's going to be the guy, the power play, the penalty kill, all that stuff. He's going to log the minutes. He's a good NHL defenseman. He's a a type of guy that can be your number one. Um, And they added him for I mean, They they paid a lot for him, obviously, but he's a good player, and and they're a better team for it. They also added a couple nice uh, trades with Tyler Johnson, Who's probably a little overpaid? He makes five million dollars a year for the next three years, but he was obviously a critical part of the last couple lightning wins and um, add some great depth center and scoring for them. Uh, Jake McCabe, another great defenseman, I think underrated. He's, he's got a big body; he's, he can throw his weight around. The big question mark, obviously. I mean, before I, before I move on, they did all of this and they still, like we talked about last week, they kept Kane, Taze DeBrinket, Doc Kubelik. They have all the young players; their core is still the same. And then Flurry is really the big question mark um, and whether or not he plays. And if he doesn't play, I might not have him on this list. And, and he probably honestly won't. I saw a report last night that he said he would only want to go to Pittsburgh um, to not retire for family reasons. He's obviously got a lot of ties there. Um, and I think that's probably what it would take for him to want to play next year. But if he does, I think the Blackhawks are an instant contender. If he, if he does play for Chicago – this is a good team. Everything looks really good on paper now. Who knows? Maybe Jones is going to be a bust. Maybe McCabe gets hurt. Maybe Tyler Johnson was just a, a product of the system in Tampa Bay. And and Taze isn't – I mean, who knows what he's going to be like next year, too. But on paper, this looks good. And if Fleury plays, I mean, this is going to be one of the better teams in the league.
0: I totally agree. It all depends on if Mark andre Fleury plays or not. Because, is, like you said – it, it, the signs are pointing to him saying no and he's made seven 75 million dollars you know he's won his stanley cups he, he's proven himself as a top three top five goaltender of all time when you look at the stats you know you could obviously debate you know era and this and that and, and you know that's another show but why would you not want to go to chicago you know what I mean? Uh, and yes, his family, he's he's obviously, you know, made a home in Pittsburgh and Vegas. He's got ties to them. He's a very emotional guy. I think he his feelings drive his decision a lot. But if you have a chance to go play with like these great players in a great city, Chicago's a great city, why not? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I don't understand his reasonings. And it, it all comes down to being, you know, you want to do what's best for your family, and I can totally respect that. I've made those decisions, they're very hard to make, but it's too bad because Stan Bowman has done a lot of good things this offseason. You know what? Tyler Johnson does make a lot of money, but boy, he can still fly out there. He proved that in the playoffs. He, he was a main factor in the reason Tampa Bay repeated. And you go out and you get Jake McCabe. I played with him in Buffalo. The guys an actual he's a beast. He has big hits. He can make a good first pass. He's a good, solid defenseman. So I like what Chicago has done at all. Like you said, it all depends on Marc Andre Fleury. I don't like what they did with Seth Jones. I think they gave him way too much money. But that's, you know, we've already we've already discussed that. If Marc Andre doesn't play, where do they go for a goaltender? There, there's a guy in Boston who's hurt. Do they make a run for Tuka Rask, somehow pry him out of there? Because if they lose Marc Andre Fleury, that frees up seven million dollars. And they have like a little over one and a half left in their cap. If you're adding $7 bucks into the system, do you go out and get Tuka Rask or Devin Dubnik? Do you go out? Like, what's Henrik Lundqvist up to? How's, how's his recovery going along? I don't know. You need a goaltender. You don't have anybody under contract except for that Finnish kid. You need someone to stop the puck. What do they do? Like, they need, they need somebody. Why not go after Tuka Rask if he's healthy? I don't know. It, it's a very interesting situation. You would think Stan Bowman would have had a conversation with Flurry before he traded for him, I don't understand that. If it was just like a hope and a prayer, maybe he'll sign here. Maybe I maybe he'll come here. Just an expectation. But from the sounds of it, through Flurry's agent, there was no contact. There was no conversations. It was a surprise to them, and they just dropped the ball on him. It's like, okay, you're going to Chicago. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you're, no, we're not. So I don't know what's going to happen. Good on Chicago. They're trying. And when you have young players who are who are good you have to maximize their entry level contracts and because they're going to make a ton of money in a few years. So you got to win while they getting is good. So good for Chicago. I don't know that that's going to be a situation to walk, watch Mark Andre flurry. The good thing about him, he's very open. Like he, he's going to let you know what he thinks. So he, he doesn't leave things kind of, you know, vague like Robin Leonard did. Robin's like very secretive person. He's like very weird tweets and stuff. So anyways, good for them. If flurry does play, are they an instant Stanley Cup contender?
1: I think so. Yeah, assuming guys are healthy. And I mean, Taze is a big question mark too. But if they're, if they're healthy, then yeah, I think they are.
0: I don't know if they're a Stanley Cup contender, Tim, but they're, they're definitely in the mix. I agree. They got, a, they got good forwards. If, if they can just throw the puck out there. When, and if you get, again, if Jonathan Taves is back and he's back to his pre-whatever illness he had self where he's putting in 70 to 80 points and he's a solid player, then they're a dangerous team. Because Patty Kane doesn't look like he's slowing down. They're still I would think they're going to be 36 years old. They're 32 and 33. Like they're, still, they're still in that age range where you can get some production out of them. They've just been playing the league for like 15 years. Like They've yeah. been around for a long time. They're old. They're not old. All right, let's get. I don't want to do it, but we've got to get to the losers, Tim. we got to do it. But before that, I got to grab a bite. So I'm going to head to the, I don't have any food. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on my phone. I'm going to go to DoorDash. And you here's, here, listen to my listeners, DoorDash messed up. Our promo code didn't work for the last two weeks, but it's working now. We worked out the bugs. Everything's good to go. So if you tried before, I apologize. I was going to make Tim send free meals out to everybody.
1: Thank God they figured it out just in time.
0: They just in time because we had hundreds of comments saying people, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Anyways, go to DoorDash, enter promo code GLOVESDD. You're going to get your 25% off. You're going to get free delivery. It's going to be great. You're going to get great food. Pick any restaurant you want. Everybody signed up for this thing. All the restaurants because of COVID, everyone's on there. It's easy. They bring it right to your door. You know DoorDash. I know DoorDash. It's the best thing going Click on the link, go to their website, doordash.com, promo code GLOVESDD. Get yourself some food. You'll help us out a little bit. We really appreciate it. GLOVESDD, DOORDASH. Now on to the losers. You're a loser, baby. Why don't you kill me? I've been alluding to it the whole show. Um, Why don't you break down how bad the Edmonton Oilers were this offseason?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, Bad is such a strong word because I, I think it's more confusing. That's, that's, yes. that's my state of mind. It's like, hey, maybe this works out, but I'm confused by all the moves they've made. And clearly, we talked about it last last week. They brought in Duncan Keith. Adam Larson leaving was not part of their plan. That was not part of like what they were planning on doing and I don't think it, so they, they bring in Keith, they lose Adam Larson and then they trade away Ethan Bear for Fogle from Carolina, who's a good third-line player. He's, he's actually re- way underrated. He's a good, good player. But I don't know. I saw a great tweet from um, Tyler Yarmchuk, who's on our nation network. He said, good franchises don't trade away good young defensemen. And it's a, it's a good point. Like, Ethan is a good, good player. And they bring in Cody Ceci for four years at – how much is he making?
0: Like $3 million and change? Cody CC for four years is making 3.25 and Cody CC C- C- is a, is a barely a five, six defenseman. Right. He's not good.
1: Right. And then Tyson Barry they brought back who again led all defensemen in points last year, but didn't get any Norris votes, which shows you what, how effective he is as a complete player, aside from just putting up points in a, in a system where McDavid and dry are going to get everybody points. So, um, that's that's really questionable for me. And kind of like what do their defense look like? You got Nurse and Keith, Barry, Cody Cece, Oscar Clefbourne and Chris Russell. I don't know. That's a lot of money. It's it's almost $26 million among them. John, what's the what's the comparison that you laid out here?
0: Well, listen, I, I did a little digging, I looked at other teams, successful teams, teams with good defensemen. And if you look at your D core and you're gonna ice Duncan Keith, Tyson Barry, Cody CC, uh Darnell Nurse. Clefbaum and Russell, and you compare that to a Tampa Bay Lightning whose salary cap for the defenseman is a million dollars lower, and they're throwing out Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Chernak, Ruta, and Bogosian. You're doing something wrong. Like opening Dave Edmonton's defensemen are awful. Other than Darnell Nurse, every other defenseman is on the downside of their career, or they're just a defensive liability. Darnell Nurse is the only guy I can throw out there and be like, okay, he's going to play good.
1: Is Clephon Keith even healthy? No, know. I think he I think
0: he's hurt, so they're gonna draft, they're gonna play a younger guy. But yes, he he might be hurt. But nurse is the only guy. Keith is almost 38, 39 years old. Barry is terrible in his own end. Cece gets beat like a turnstile constantly. Russell's a poor man's Tyson Barry. So I don't understand how you could go into this offseason with that being one of your strengths. You have Ethan Bear, who's a young player. You have Adam Larson, who's a really good player who you picked up in the um, Taylor Hall trade. You have Darnell Nurse. You're playing well as a defensive unit, and you go out and you just fudge the whole thing. I don't know why they bring in Duncan Keith. That trade looks awful the more it ages. It looks out. It's just terrible, terrible, terrible trade. It just handcuffed them going into this free agency period. Then to make matter worse, you go out and you get Hyman, and you get Derek Ryan. I don't understand what Edmonton's trying to do. I don't understand what type of team they're trying to be. I just don't get it. They have completely ruined Connor McDavid's career in Edmonton. They have. You, you tell me how this helps Connor McDavid bringing in Zach Hyman, Duncan Keith, and Derek Ryan. Tell me. You bring in a guy who can go in and bang someone out of a corner But how is he going to make plays with Connor McDavid on the rush? How is he going to help him in the zone? I like Zach Hyman. He's a good player. Good for him getting the money. He does. By the end of the year, he's not on Connor McDavid's line. That's my prediction. And it's going to be the same thing at the end of the year. It's going to be like, gosh, Connor has 160 points. Leon has 152 points. Oh, the next highest has 60. The Nuge hasn't really progressed at all. He's maybe got 65. It's just the same old story. It really, really is hard to watch. It's like, who do they have? McDavid, Drine Seidel, Hyman, and Hopkins, good NHL players. Then it's just like, okay, Zach Cassian, eh? Kyle Turris, eh? Josh Archibald, eh? Derek Ryan, eh? Jesse Polviari showed flashes of being okay, but eh? Devin Shore, eh? Ryan McLeod. Eh? Oh, we got Warren Fogel for Ethan Bear. The guy's a third or fourth line winger. Like, what are we doing here? You pick up Warren Fogel, like, you, you think he's going to. McLovin, you think he's going to make a difference over Ethan Bear, who's a good young... And this is a sore spot for Edmonton fans because they have traded away good young defensemen. That's a thing that they do. They love trading away good young defensemen who are skilled and bringing in absolutely nobody for them. It, it just... I don't know why they keep doing it, but they do it. And then you go back on their defense. Oh, Nurse Keith, Barry, CeCe. Russell Bouchard, it's just a who's who of nobodies. And then goaltenders, you bring back Mike Smith for some odd reason. And you have Miko Koskinen, who was a bad contract at 4.5. Edmonton is going to be a bad team next year. They have completely bungled this offseason. If I'm Connor McDavid and I'm Leon Draisaitl, I'm pulling my hair out because I don't know what the stinking GM's doing. I don't know what they're doing. I told them what they should have done add more scoring, add more skill. You had money to spend for some odd reason. You spend it on Zach Hyman and Duncan Keith, a 38 year old defenseman who just wanted to play on the West coast. Well, he wanted to play here. So we had to take him. That's how it goes. He really wanted to play here. So let's get it's, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's a bad, it's a bad move. Kev Ken Holland should be fired. Poor Connor McDavid. He's, he's, He's not excited to come to the rink. I'll tell you that much. Draisaitl signed to a great contract for four more years, and you're totally scuttling these guys' careers right in front of our eyes. Right in front of our eyes. They're, they'll be lucky to make the playoffs next year. Prediction: Not going to make the playoffs. Thoughts?
1: Well, I mean, I yeah, I think you nailed it. And it's almost like there's so many things going on. It's so it's so confusing. I don't even have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like it's just like. I'm just looking at like a scattering of puzzle pieces, and I think you nailed it when you said that we, they don't know what kind, of, what kind of team they're trying to be. There's no identity, there's no direction, there's no like you got the two of the best players in the world, and then what? Like there's just nothing that's tying it all together. They're not swimming in the same direction. So, yeah, I, I gosh, I hope to, if they miss the playoffs next year, ugh, and they're probably going to, that is just they it's just, will. It's a disaster.
0: They will. The only thing saving them is like we've said before, the Pacific isn't going to be strong. So maybe they can sneak in with the fourth seed, but boy, it's, it, it's really sad and it makes me depressed. We, we deal with Edmonton people a lot. Obviously we're teamed up with hockey and they're based out in Edmonton. So we talk to these guys and they want Edmonton to be good. I'm from Edmonton. Like I would love to have Edmonton compete and, you know, be in the mix for a Stanley cup. It's not going to happen. Sorry, everybody. It is not going to happen. And another, another team that you can't think can get any worse, and we talked to one of their former players on Wednesday, the Buffalo Sabres. So you you trade Rasmus Ristolainen. You trade uh, – what's his name? What's his dude's name? Reinhardt. Reinhardt. You're trying to trade your best player. What What is going on in Buffalo? Something smells funny in Denmark. You have no good prospects. You have – Two goaltenders. Okay, so you lose Allmark in free agency. You lose Carter Hutton. You bring in two goaltenders, Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell. They combined for seven, seven starts last year. Seven starts. And listen, I'm a big Craig Anderson fan. I, I, I once, one time, argued he was just as good as Carey Price in the playoffs. And at that time, he was. Carey you lost Price. that argument. Craig Craig Anderson is forty years old. He's older than Mike Smith. He's 40 years old, 40, and they sign him. Aaron Dell has not played a meaningful game in years, and he's 32. Why on earth are these the only two goaltenders on your roster right now? What Is, is there some secret goalie that I don't know about that they're sleeping on that they're waiting to sign? Do they have some hotshot prospect who's going to come in and just steal the show? I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. This is their defense: Colin Miller, Will Butcher, Robert Hag, Mark Pissick, and Jacob Bryson. They have Rasmus Dahlin, who's an RFA. What What is going on in that back end? Do you know any of those players?
1: Uh yeah, I do. I, I like Will Butcher actually, but um,
0: is he going to win you a game? Is Is he of note? Will Butcher? Uh, he's got a power name, but it's not good. It is not good at all in Buffalo. And then you move on to their forwards. Okay. Jeff Skinner, albatross of a bad contract. Worse than the league. Kylock Poso still signed for two more years. at $6 million. They, oh. call, they call him Oki. He's a good dude. $6 million for two more years. Victor Olofsson, $3 bucks. Cody Eakin, Zemgus Gergensen, here's a perfect example of a power forward who they gave a pretty good contract a few years ago, has not aged well. He's only making 2.2, but boy, oh boy, that's a tough 2.2. Anders Bjork, Tage Thompson, like, they got Dylan Cousins. If I'm Dylan Cousins, I'm 20 years old, I'm making less than, you know, just above cap, you're about to trade the best player on the team and Jack Eichel. I'm going to be the best player on the team. I'm 20 years old and I'm playing with a bunch of has-beens and nobodies. What am I doing here? We're going to get him on the show next week. And I'm going to talk to him. Like, what are you doing, Dylan? What do you think when you walk into this locker room and you're better than everybody and no one's even close? What, what do you think? Where is the Buffalo Sabres going? It's not like they have a ton of draft picks in the pipe. They get two draft picks next year in the first round. And that's it. Then they have their own for the next four. Then they have the Devils in 2000-whatever. Or that's uh,
1: Well, okay. So they were the worst team in the, in the league last year, and somehow they got way worse. Not even like a little worse. worse. They're way, way worse, which honestly is probably the right thing. It's a step forward for them because – they're going to get a lot of high first round picks and hopefully some more first overalls potentially Owen powers was a great one this last week. Um, so I don't think like adding pieces is really going to help them. So hopefully they just, who who did we talk about? Resto like they, they try to rebuild five, six, seven, eight years ago. It didn't work out. So they're basically starting over here, getting rid of it everyone and like- starting over Dylan Cousins is going to be a big piece of that. Owen power is going to be a big, big, big piece of that, but they're years away. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs for at least five years.
0: The, we said the same things six years ago. Oh, we're going to have Reinhardt. We're going to have Ico. We're going to have whoever else was in there first yeah. round draft pick. Yeah, it's just like with all these guys are going to be our future. Well, we signed Jeff Skinner. Oh, we're going to get Taylor Hall. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fantastic. They are a team without an identity. They're a team without a leader. They're a team without any hope of any kind of future until they settle down and figure out who's going to run this franchise. Honestly. I hope they let Kevin Adams do his thing and give him a five-year contract and let him say, here you go. Because they, they jump ship so quick, and you're never going to win as a franchise if you have no stability at the top. And this starts right at the top of Terry Kugula. He wants to win now, and he wants to win fast, and he has no patience. And I tell my kids all the time, patience. It's a virtue. You should work on it. He is not patient. He sees the Bills having success. It's like, well, they got Josh Allen. They hit the jackpot with him. Sabres haven't got that guy. They have They have Ico. They've tried to surround him with people. It hasn't worked. You got to stay the course. I don't know what it is, but you're going to trade your best player who has like 10 million bucks. That's the going rate for a one a 1A centerman and you're going to trade him. You better get some return for him or else you are just in it for a long time. So I don't know the savers lost, not as much as the Oilers lost because they didn't spend much money, but I have a feeling they're going to get fleeced on Jack Eichel because that's what they do. They they have no goaltenders. We'll see how that situation did Mark Andre Fleury mention he would play in Buffalo by any chance? <laughs> no, that didn't come up. Okay, you never know. Speaking of Vegas, they're my other loser. Just in the fact that they had an awful off season, they lost their best franchise player. It was a PR nightmare. No one told Fleury he was getting traded. It was all over them. Was he kind of land based? I get his agent went after Vegas. It was, just a, it was a mess all around. And when, if that's your favorite player, your, your franchise guy, he's in all the commercials in Vegas, the fans love him, and you do him dirty like that, it's not going to be a good look for your franchise. They go out, they have some money with Flurry being gone. They didn't get much. Didn't get much at all. They re sign Janmark. They get Brasoit to replace him as a backup. And they traded for Dadenov. I didn't understand this move. Why would they trade for Enough from Ottawa? He's on the back nine of his career. He's 32 years old. He only had 20 points last year. He's still got $5 bucks on his contract for two more years. I think with that kind of money they're spending, they could have gone else, elsewhere and made a better, bigger impact. Go get Mike Kaufman. Is Mike Kaufman not better than Enough? I is. don't understand that move. It, it was very confusing to me. They didn't lose. They weren't a huge loser, but it, they didn't get better. And the object of the offseason is to get better. And when you have money to play with, you know, you're 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 at an advantage because most teams don't. And it just seems like Vegas they they've done so well in every other offseason and they just didn't do it this time.
1: That yeah, enough reminds me because he had a couple of years in, in Florida. He had sixty five points, seventy points, forty seven last year, in sixty nine games and twenty points this year. So clearly a step back. He reminds me of um Nikolai and Not as bad. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, Antropov, whatever. Yeah, yeah, He's He's smaller. He's 5'11", 185. Antropov was a pretty big body, but reminds me of that kind of player where like he had a couple of big years and he just... That contract, the, the expectation is never going to be there again.
0: Love Antropov. See him all the time in Toronto when I used to go to Toronto. Anyways, sticking with Vegas, they made a move, traded friend of the show, Ryan Reeves, Revo, another fan favorite. They gutted the team out of their whole personality, sent him to the Rangers. Is this a knee-jerk reaction by the Rangers, because of the Tom Wilson incident with Ant- antarum Panarin, kind of getting a guy in here, we're not going to be pushed around. We went out and got the toughest guy in the league. It, it's it's an earmark New York Rangers move. They've always had very tough teams. It's only been lately, the last four or five years, where they haven't had that guy. They had Derek Kubugar, They had Colt Nor. They've had tough teams throughout their pretty much career or whatever it's franchise career. Is this a knee jerk reaction? Does Reeves? You know, help. Is he gonna make, make any much of a difference? They got Graves from a trade from Colorado. He's a big body. I don't know. I, I think it's a nice move by New York. No, so Graves went to New Jersey. Oh, um, excuse me. Graves went yeah. to New Jersey. My bad.
1: So no, I don't think it's a knee jerk, because it's not like it was uh I don't know. I think it was just I think it's the right move. I mean, Ryan Reeves is an effective fourth line player, he's the toughest guy in the league, probably, or one of the top three. And obviously this is this is the response to Tom Wilson, um, who is probably I don't know. He's he's not the big the big top dog in his division anymore, right? Do you think he's a little nervous having Reeves come to New York and having to play him, you know, 10 times
0: a year? I would think so. He's gonna be second, you know, looking over his shoulder. That the first game they play is the first game of the year. That'll be a fun game. They'll hold on, I gotta sneeze. That's <laughs> true. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, that'll be a fun game. I think it's just <laughs> gonna to add to the rivalry. The Rangers got Barclay Goodroll, they got Ryan Reeves, they've got some sandpaper in their game now. It's a good move. If you and I've said it before, you pay these guys millions and millions and millions of dollars. You have to protect them. It's like getting a sports car and not putting a security system on it. You'd be dumb not to do that. So good on the Rangers. I think Panarin's super happy. Ryan Reese can still get up and down the ice. It makes the Rangers a better better team. So good for them. All right, Tim, what else do we got?
1: Yeah, just before we wrap, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, you probably saw on social media if you follow us that we have new T-shirts launched with our partners, hockey fights, and through violent gentlemen. So they're really cool. they come coming both black and white. John looks pretty sharp in them which is saying a lot. Um, so check yeah. our social media posts to see what they look like, and you can find those on violentgentleman.com to get yours today. All sizes, black and white, like I said, um, really nice-looking shirts. The other thing is don't forget to enter our superfan contest. So we've gotten a few submissions so far. Um, we have a few more weeks to send one in. Like I said last week, it's um, kind of show us why you're the number one listener of the show. The winner's going to get some merch and autograph swag, and whatever else we can come up with. Um, and you will get points for humor and creativity. So make us laugh and do something a little outside the box. You have a good chance of winning. So check that out. And, uh, again, looking on our social media pages for more information
0: on that. Very good. All right, everybody have a good weekend. We will see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with John Scott, a member of the nation network of podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash.